Good morning. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker, Reverend Michael uh, Davis. I said Michael Douglas. Oh, good grief. <laughs> anyway, Mike, Reverend Michael Davis is joining us from Lincoln Avenue Church of God, and we will be blessed, I have no doubt, uh, from the message God has shared with him. I'm going to literally read you his first line because it's very sweet. Currently married to my wife, Carlene, for 19 years. She is such a blessing from above, helping me to make sure I walk in the pathway of life. God bless you. <laughs> Together, she and I care for my 98-year-old mother who lives with us. They have seven children between the two of them, then 23 grandchildren, then 21 plus, and I am assuming that means you have one coming on the way? Several. Several. Oh, <laughs> 21 plus several great-grandchildren. Um, they both lost their spouses to heart failure, and this is their second marriage, so they've blended quite the family. My goodness. God bless you again. <laughs> His current plan is to retire at the end of this year from an IT department at a local bank, and he's waiting uh, for God's direction for the next stage of his life. Um, he considers himself a uh, church of God, born and raised. Uh, he spent two weeks every year at National Association Church of God in West Middlesex between their uh, annual camp meeting as well as their youth camp meeting as well. We've been there. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. If you haven't been there, I recommend you go visit them sometime. It is a huge, awesome place. So he's been uh, teaching Sunday school, adult Sunday school at his church, Lincoln Avenue. And um, he was called by God at, to ordination after he attended ISL, uh, which as you all know, Herb was very, uh, very integral part of that Institute for, Learn for Servanthood Leadership. No wonder they call it ISL. So we look forward to hearing from you, Michael. Um, I have been at his church. He would like some encouragement, you know, some amens, amen, amen. some praise the Lord, praise hands up, <laughs> worshiping during his, his uh, sermon that God has given him. So let's give him a new song. Welcome. Welcome, Reverend Michael Davis. Sister Terry, I appreciate that so much. You were so kind with your words. And, uh, you know, one thing I have gotten. Oh, thank you. There you go. One thing I have obtained since I've been here is the genuineness of you saints. And that leads to what the Lord has given me to share with you. You know, um, before I go any further, let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for all that you have planned for us today. You know, Lord, it's just amazing how kind you are to us. So, Lord, I'm asking you to continue that kindness among these people, among the ones you have died for, the one you thought that you wanted to show how much you desire them and love them. Give us ears to hear, I pray, Heavenly Father. Lord, give us a heart of understanding, Lord. But above all, when you give us eyes to see, Lord, give us the strength to obey. And even if that strength says, falling on our knees and said, Lord, what must I do? Strengthen our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, saints, I, I want you to pass on to my dear brother, your pastor, Brother Herb, how much I appreciate the opportunity uh, to stand before you. Uh, you know, he, he's a good brother. He, uh, he blesses my heart. In ISL, he's the type of man or the type of teacher that when he speaks, and it may be what God is doing for me, but it punctures my heart. Yeah. I never told him that, you know. <laughs> I never told him he had it like that with me, but it punctures my heart. And when he's done, I grab the Bible and start searching what this brother was talking about. And people like that are a blessing to me. I really enjoy being in the, in the midst of people like that. Um, which leads me to uh, uh, understand, as I mentioned, why the Lord had given me this. 
You know, the book of Hebrews talks about the fact that, you know, when there's time for you to be teachers, you have need to be taught. You know, the uh, doctrine of the resurrection of life, the doctrine of forgiveness from dead sins, dead, dead works. But that's not what I'm going to teach about today. We're going to teach about going on to knowing the Lord, overcoming, being an overcomer, being victorious. Now, of course, we don't have the time to go over all things in depth. But what we're teaching today is moving on to maturity. Okay? And understand this, you know, these seven churches. And one thing I wanted to make mention in verse 20 of the first chapter um, is the fact that he explains, let me, let me go over it real quickly. And saints, I'm reading, I'm, I teach today from the Passion Version, okay? Um, let me go over real quickly verse 20 in chapter 1. The mysteries of the lampstand and the seven stars is this. The seven lampstands are the seven churches, and the seven stars in the right hand are the seven messengers of the seven churches. Now, what I wanted to make clear about that, first of all, the, the lampstands, he's in the midst of all the lampstands. And you'll find when you go through these seven churches, he makes a statement, I know what's going down. <laughs> yep. I'm in your midst. Yep. Okay? And we're, we also will see that not only is he in the midst of the churches, but in his hand are the messengers that he sent to the churches. And not just the pastors, the messengers, he says, that he sends to the churches. So he is careful about taking care of those who died for. Just like you would be careful and are careful about your children or people that are close to you. You're careful about what you say and what you do and the kind of things they get. He's no different here. He's in the midst. He knows everything that's going down. Okay? And so that brings us to the first one. Now, again, these are stages of becoming an overcomer. Okay? Now, all these churches were in um, Asia Minor, Turkey, today. And if you looked on them on a map, it's almost like a shoe, uh, a shoehorn. They go up. There's some on the re uh, east, some on, on the west. There's three on the east, three on the west, and one on the top in the north in the middle. Okay? Forgive me, I forget who's where. Okay? <laughs> but that's not what's so important at this point in time. They're strategically placed just as your stages of maturity of becoming an overcomer. Now, help me, help me and I want to make sure we understand this. Jesus said that he had overcome he will come death. Okay. But in his overcoming, the, one of the first examples we have as him, him overcoming is when he was sent to the desert to be tempted. Now, James says, resist the devil and he'll flee. Now, he fleed from Jesus. But after three attempts, well, I sure wish that I can only have one attempt to resist the devil and he'll leave me alone. But it didn't work like that. And it doesn't work like that. Okay? Resist the devil and he'll flee. So that would mean in the case of Jesus, in the, in the wilderness, the devil had authority. Well, let me put it a different way. He was appointed by the Father at that time. Now, we see later on in Jesus' life, especially when he went to the cross, Jesus made it clear, hey, this is the time for darkness, an appointment. And that blew me away. Oh, wait a minute. I, I, I came up in the time, and you did, in this present time of the naming and claiming, and, and, and the blessings, and the power you have to rebuke the devil. <laughs> but there are times where the Lord appoints to use the devil to make you an overcomer, Amen. to help mature you. So that would lead me to believe 
Since the Lord above does all things because he loves you. Bible says he makes all things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And one purpose you and I can count on now is the purpose of we being conformed in the image of Christ. We're going to focus on that purpose. Okay. All right. Let me see. Um, So the first church that he talks about here is a church of Ephesians. And we're just going over the names, which indicates the the level of of, uh, uh, overcoming or or growth. Okay. Ephesus, deeply loved by the Lord. Now, let me this brings a question. What has the Lord done in your life to prove to you that he loves you? Deeply loves you. Like if you've read the songs of Solomon, okay, there's a desire that Solomon has for the Shulamite. There's a desire that through the things that Solomon did springs up a greater desire for Solomon. Because the first one or two chapters, she makes a statement that I'm dark, uh, indicating that her life is full of sin. And she tried to blame it on other ones. She said, my, my brothers didn't do me right. Okay. But she made it clear. I'm dark. I'm not right. I'm not, I'm not ready for you. Why do you want me? But Solomon, the groom, his desire was her. So what has God done in your life to prove to you that he desires you? Amen. Now, I'm hoping, just like the Shulamite, You may have a slight awareness of the sin that has been in your life or the mistakes you have missed. Not missed. I wish you missed mistakes. But the mistakes you have made. (laughs) I wish you had an awareness of that like the Shulamite did. But Jesus has had to do something for the maturing Christian to prove that he loves her. And another thing I want to make clear, okay? These people in these seven churches... They're born again, filled with the spirit. And when you read through them, they all had done things in the ministry that were pleasing to the Lord, that was beneficial. They were lampstands. They gave light and influence in their community. They were working it. But yet, for their maturity to become an overcomer, there were things he found that he wanted straightened out. And those things he found that he wanted to straighten out were things that were blocking the relationship. Blocking the relationship. You know, without being too um, invasive, I've had things in my life with my wife that I blocked our relationship with. And I'm glad I had the mic and she doesn't because she'd give you details. (laughs) And we don't have enough time to go over the things that just happened this week. But there had, there, there had been, I'm glad somebody can feel me back there. You know what I'm talking about. But there had been things in our life, and we anticipate other things that block the relationship. And that's what Jesus is talking about with these churches. But with Ephesus, do you know of something? That must motivate the rest of your life that he wants you. You need something to hold on to. And that thing he gives you that you're sure of marks your maturity. Marks your maturity because you have to eliminate in your mind that you're dark like Shulamite says. or I'm not worthy of him. Or, or really, what in the world are you doing with me? You got, you, got, you got yourself looking bad coming after me. He loves you. Okay? The second one is Smyrna. Now, it's consistent with um, trial, the daily trials and, tri- and uh, tribulations that, I, and I always hate that word, tribulations, <laughs> but the daily trials that we go through in our lives. Okay, it's consistent with that. Now, and, and one thing about Smyrna, you know, it um, comes from the word myrrh. 
okay, which has always been symbolic of suffering in the Bible, okay? Um, and it's making one's progress through the dailies, trials, and tribulations of, of life. And the kind of trials and tribulations that make you more dependent on the Lord. See, like the children we have today, I'm sure their parents will do everything between now and the day they leave the, leave the home to make them independent, that they're able to live on their own. You know, get them through high school, get them through grade school, send them to college to learn something, stick with them until they get a job. Make them more independent. But in the spirit, in the kingdom, it's just the opposite. We have to become more dependent on the Lord. We get into Christ and I can handle this myself. We get into Christ independent, okay? But the Lord, because he loves you and he has chosen you, he does things in your life to make you more dependent upon him. Now, in this church, they were crushed by the Romans. Persecution was rapid rolling through there, okay, to make them more dependent. You know, it, <clears throat> and that dependency and that crushing and abusing in their lives brought a sweet-smelling Savior of Christ. You can't get juice out of a grape until you crush it. And here we see another stage in our maturity or an overcoming, which is causing us to be more independent. The persecution that we go through on a daily basis in life. And it should bring out the savior of the fragrance of Christ. That's the point of it, because he's chosen you and he loves you. And he wants you, and I say he, I'm talking about the Father and the Son, and he wants you to be conformed in the image of Christ. He wants to be able to see his Son in you. And old saints, just like me, I wish that all I needed to do was read the Word, and I'd be conformed, but it doesn't work like that. Some things have to be taken out of you. Some things have to be removed from you. And some things, if you're anything like me, I hold on to them. Because to this point, it had been my identity. It was who I am. And it caused me to be independent. I was a, ma a man, a Michael. But God, because he wants me to be more dependent, he works that thing in my life. And for me, because I'm holding on to it, in a lot of areas, I end up like Jacob, who's with a limp, wrestling with God, instead of being okay with what God is doing in his life. Okay? Instead of recognizing and reconciling, and I'm talking about the story of Jacob now. The Lord told him before he went to his uncle Laban's house, I'm going to bring you back here. When he went to sleep in Bethlehem, in Bethel, he woke up and he said, oh, this is the house of God. I ain't know nothing about that. Okay, and the Lord told him, hey, you go and I'm going to bring you back. So 20 plus years later, he gets back there and he's wrestling. He's afraid of what his brother's going to do to him. Wait, but the Lord said he's going to bring you back. Now, I'm talking like that from the sense that, you know, it seems like one plus one is two. Okay, he should realize it. But if it, Jacob and me got something in common, I don't realize stuff like that. I need a little help. Okay, I need a reminder. I need my hip touched because I resist what the Lord is doing in my life. I resist because I'm independent. I've been handling my business up to this point. But see, the love of the Lord is still there in my life. And he causes the things to happen in my life that are difficult. And when you read about Smyrna, it talks about for 10 days, I will have distress by uh, distress on you, um, but remain faithful. Now, that 10 days is not 10 calendar days. It's not period. The number 10 represents authority. And when Abraham sent Eleazar to get his son, a bride, get Rachel, he told him, gave him instructions. And the man took Eleazar 10 camels. 
which indicates he had the authority. Also, it can mean wealth, but he had the authority from Abraham to act. Okay? Ten days. That means that the Satan or the devil or the satanic congregation, as it mentioned here, had the authority from above for you and for me. So that's why we have to understand because we are children of God, because we are in the kingdom, because we are sold out and had made the determination of my life, in our life, I'm going to live for the Lord no matter what. Amen. I'm not going to be tempted by running away. We have to understand we have no control over things outside of us, but the Lord, the one who loves you and died for you and wants to be associated with you, wants you to know him allows these kind of persecutions and things to come upon you so the sweet fragrance of Christ can come out of your life. And the next church, how am I doing on time? Okay. Pergamon and saints, if I say it wrong, just shout it out, okay? (laughs) Pergamon. And what's so significant about this group or this, this church, or what this represents, are times of praise and favor. It says elevated place or marriage. Okay? And what was so significant about this group? First of all, <clears throat> in this group, they had, it makes mention of somebody who was martyred. Okay? Antipas. He was martyred. And it says he was martyred in the way they put him in a brass pig and set, heated him up and roasted him. Okay, persecution again. Imagine that. But let's understand heaven's perspective. We see later on in Revelations that under the throne, in the throne room, under the altar, are those who have been uh, um, martyred. And they scream out to the one on the throne, when will you avenge our death? And he says, just hold up until I get the complete number. But where are these people at? They're in the throne room on the altar where the father and the son are. He was a faithful martyr. So from heaven's perspective, just like we see with Stephen, with the Lord Jesus Christ, as they were stoning him in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 7, where they were stoning him, the Bible says Stephen looked up and he saw the Lord standing at the right hand of the Father. Amen. <laughs> Cheering him on, waiting, anticipating him coming. Okay, as Stephen was getting stoned. The heavenly perspective. And in this church, just like in Samurta church, it talks about the authority that Satan has. It says here in verse 13, chapter 2, I know where you live, where Satan sit, sits enthroned, yet you have clung faithfully to the power of my name. You did not deny your faith in me even when the days of my faithful martyr Antipas who was executed in your city where Satan lives. Wait a minute. You mean he has strategically placed or allowed Satan to be in the midst of us? But in that, the Bible says, in the city where Satan lives. Boy, you would think nowadays if that just happened to happen, someone would be there casting him out. He'd have to flee. Unless... He had authority from above to be there for your purpose, for God working in your life, for God maturing you and making you into an overcomer, a conqueror, as our Lord is. And, you know, he also talks about here in verse 15, furthermore, you have... you have some who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, okay? The Arabic term here, meaning for that word Nicolaitan, is um, rituals. Rituals. People, unfortunately, 
go through certain rituals in the walk with the Lord. I'll make sure I'm at church at 1030, just physically being there. But my heart is someplace else. Okay. Rituals. Our own rituals, which we foolishly think that it's an indication that we love God and God loves us. You know, in the gospel community, they don't care how, a lot of them don't care gospel singing community. It's not important how you live. Just sing gospel and you're good. <laughs> the ritual of singing and playing games indicating that you're walking with the Lord and you're good. Ah! Rituals God despises. Amen. And even in the Old Testament, he says, why you guys wear me out with these sacrifices and lambs and you just wear me out. You don't mean it. You don't mean it. You bring the sacrifice, then you go out and cheat your neighbor. What? What's that about? So he didn't like rituals. And saints, I'm going over there, these lightly. And because you are maturing saints, like your pastor, I told your pastor, I said, I'm just going to assume that the people are like you. <laughs> and that assumption will be that they hunger for the word of God and they desire the truth because they want to live it. I said, I'm just going to assume that. He paused for a minute and he said, yes. He said, that's a safe assumption. That's a safe assumption. So I'm going over these quickly, assuming that you'll go back at some point in time and find out how to become a closer walk with the Lord and become an overcomer. Because there are wonderful promises he gives at the end of each one of these churches. Okay. For example, he says in, in uh, 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 the first church, okay, Ephesus, he says, to the one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life that is found in the paradise of our, my God. Amen. To the Smyrna church, he says, those, the ones whose heart is open and, and listen carefully to what the spirit presents, presenting, saying to all the churches, the one who conquers will not be harmed by the second death. Pernum, he says, to everyone who is victorious, I will let him feast on the hidden manna and give him a shining white stone. Now, back in the day, excuse my expression, I, I, I go uh, quite often I use slang, you know. I guess they call it the bonics, but back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, quite often a judge, when you stood before a judge and a sentence was passed on you to prove that you were not guilty, you got a white stone. If you were guilty, you got a black stone. Now, you know what that meant. <laughs> Wasn't good, <laughs> but you got a, a white stone. Also, you find white stones when the bridegroom would give a white shiny stone to his bride, which later on the groom used to will give a ring as we do today. But back then they would give a white shiny stone indicating a marriage and relationship. And he says, and write upon the white stone in inscription, a new name. Now see, this is a relationship. Okay. The Bible says new name. I'm going to say pet name. Okay, we know what pet name is. Okay, I got a pet name for my wife. I'm not going to tell you what she called me because you might want to pray for her. <laughs> and, you know, quite often I deserve it, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> but a pet name that only you two know. And see, I can come into a room and shout and call a pet name to my wife and she will respond properly and quickly. That's what the Lord is talking about here. Our relations is such, our relationship is such that I can give you a name that no one else knows about, just me and you. Okay? But again, he says this in the church of Pernum, who was in the midst 
of the city of Satan. Mm, mm, mm. How can that be? So here again, let me stop here real quickly. It's not wrong to embrace correction. Matter of fact, it's wrong to reject correction. You know, there are times that God has given authority to the evil one. And real quickly, I, I like us to remember when Jesus, when Peter denied Jesus, they're sitting around a table and, and Peter meant every word he said. They're going to have to kill me for, I'm paraphrasing it. They're going to have to go through me before they get to you, Jesus. I'm paraphrasing it. It's in Matthew the 20, I think 28 or 26 at the end of it. Anyhow, he said, in so many words, they're going to have to go through me before they come to you, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, nah, man. He said, you won't deny me three times that you even know me. Okay? But he was sure and he meant every word he said. That he wasn't going for it. But we know what happened when, when, when everything went down. He denied the Lord three times. Okay? But it wasn't until he got filled with the Holy Ghost that he got some boldness that he didn't have before. Amen. And that's what this, these overcomers or mature Christians need to be. We need to have God's love in our life. We need the love and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to hit these areas, these stages of maturity, stages of overcomers, stages of growth. Only the Holy Spirit, because man's devotion was limited. And man's devotion or man's love will never bring us close to Christ in surrendering our lives the way they de the Lord desires it. Amen. Can't be done. Can't be done. So we have precious promises from the Lord for those who overcome and go through these stages of maturity, okay? In spite of all the hindrances that are in the stages of maturity, okay? And, all, and the Lord says something good about all of them, okay? Because they're doing the work of the ministry. They're doing everything they have, they can do until they get to the next stage when the Lord requires a little more. For example, this, this one here, and I got to hurry up because brothers start talking and don't want to stop. Uh, <laughs> the next one is Tyariah, uh, Thyariah, okay? Now, this is another one that, first of all, for, for the eyes. Oh, did I miss something? One second. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to one, one thing real quick about Pergamum, okay? And the question for Pergamum, for you and I. Okay, he says, for those are the words of the one whose words pierce the heart of men. And the question is, does it steal the words of the Lord when you hear it preached and from, your, from the messengers that the Lord has before you? Does it still pierce your heart? When I came, you know, I was backslidden for quite some time. Okay, and I'm not going to discuss my weakness, okay, uh, and all the things, but I left the church because the Lord was trying to conform my life, and I wasn't going for it. I thought I had a better idea. Boy, did he prove me wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, he made me a liar. But um, I, I, I had backslidden, and when I came back, I just thought I would never get out of the area where every time I, the preacher preached, I was ready to go to the altar. Not that I was living in sin, it's just that the words pierced me deep. First time I went to ISL, uh, your pastor said, it's not about you. I forget the rest of it, forgive me, but it's not about you, but about God working through you. Okay, it's not about you, but it's about God working in you or God in you. Okay, man, that tore me up. Matter of fact, when he said that, I dropped my head. I said, oh, my goodness. Because the word pierced my heart. 
Now, I'm asking you, does the word of God still pierce your heart? It has to pierce your heart for you to become a conqueror and an overcomer. It has to pierce your heart for you to be mature. You know, the, the one, one uh, uh, Bible I was reading, it said he has a two-edged sword, double-edged sword, one side for blessing and one side for correction. But understand this, okay? We get circumcised by the Lord, okay? And it gets bloody. You're cutting away something that's a part of you. And in the Old Testament, I didn't see anything about antiseptics. <laughs> Didn't all the pain. And, they, and when it first came out with, with Abraham, you know, it said he grabbed and sharpened a stone. What? <laughs> you know, back in the 70s where uh, Roots first came out, uh, Kunta Kinte, to become a man, he had to get circumcised. And uh, O.J. Simpson played it. He was in there. And... The guy sharpened the, <laughs> sharp, I'm, I'm laughing, but the guy sharpened a, a, a rock and the kids were standing up and he said, okay, who wants to be first volunteers? Everybody look down. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Such is spiritually when the Lord circumcises us with that double-edged sword and pierces our heart. It must be. You are not in covenant with the Lord unless you're circumcised. Amen. Okay. Now let's go on to uh, Thyatira real quickly. Okay. Now in this one, okay, he says his eyes, whose eyes are blazing and whose feet are like brass. Well, the eyes of blazing is still piercing, seeing everything clearly. But the brass, feet like brass, represents judgment. Okay, and in this church, these people tolerated. Well, first of all, there was something real good about them. Perseverance. Is that not a characteristic that we're required to have in Christ? Perseverance. Not changing things, dealing or persevering or putting up with or embracing what the Lord has put before you. Amen. What the Lord has put in your life. Man, I'm telling you, it really blew my mind about the nation of Israel that came out and they went in the promised land. We see where Judah, man, they got up there and they defeated them giants. But what about Dan? It's the book that says that the tribe of Dan who lost out in their area, those giants had chariots and metal uh, um, um, swords and Dan had sticks. So I said to myself, I said, well, wait a minute, Lord. You told him you wanted him to conquer that land, but you didn't give him what's necessary to conquer it. And I lied to myself. Here again is evidence. God wants us to be more dependent on him. And Dan needed to be more dependent on him so they could obey the commandment of taking their land. Amen. And God was hooking them up or giving them a place or showing his love for them by giving them something that would make them more dependent than Judah. Judah was, you know, they was in love with God and they was going to kill anything and everything in their land. Judah needed, uh, Dan needed some help. They needed some encouragement. They needed to see they couldn't do it on their own and call on the Lord or call on one of the other tribes. The Lord knows what's in you and I. And your life is a picture of his knowledge of you and how he's trying to bring you into becoming an overcomer. Amen. That's why we can embrace correction. We can embrace hard times. We can embrace persecution. We are people of God. Yes. I believe in the, the Father. I believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I believe he was crucified. I believe he got up. That's why we can embrace those things that come into our lives that are uncomfortable, okay? In this church, they had a problem with the fact that they were willing to accept or go along with the woman Jezebel, okay, who seduced their people 
into saying that uh, it is permissible to indulge in immorality. Okay, it's permissible to eat foods that were uh, sacrificed to God. Okay, not to the Lord ourselves. Okay, to the Lord Himself. It was permissible to do that. Okay, and that's any thing. Okay, that gives you comfort or tempts you to be comfortable and compromise what God is doing in your life. Your appointed times of suffering, your appointed times of hardship. You got appointed times of suffering and hardship. And when you go to the point where I'm tempted or I don't want to go, I ain't got to put up with this. Jezebel, you don't need that kind of influence in your life. You deserve better than this. The devil is still a liar. What you deserve is a situation the Lord is creating in your life. And you need knowledge of it. You got to ask him. Lord, what is this happening to me? Give me strength. Help me, Lord. We don't want to give ourselves. And that, that's why this, this, this church, this group is the odor of affliction or continual sacrifice. Continual Continual trying to work it in you. What is he working in his son? What are you trying to overcome yourself? <laughs> trying to overcome what's in you, what was born in you. Try to overcome it. Okay? Uh, Sardis. Those who have escaped from the religious bondage that leads to spiritual death. And I, I wrote in my notes, naming and claiming. You know, name it and claim it. That is bondage. That is the most rebellious thing. I want, I'm going to name something that I want and I have an expectation. But because I speak it, it's good. <laughs> Sometimes I got to laugh at myself. You know, those who escape are those who shine like jewels. Okay, is this stage of conquering and maturity. Okay. And I got to laugh at myself because I try, I initially... Long time ago, I tried to do this naming and claiming. I think it lasted a week because there wasn't nothing being claimed that I was naming. <laughs> Might have lasted a week. You know, I went to see Kenneth Copeland and I took my friend with me and he had, uh, he needed back surgery. He had one leg shorter than the other and uh, he went up and, and Kenneth Copeland prayed for him and the Lord healed him. And both legs are straight like that. Okay. Um, but of course we know the gifts of God are, are irrevocable. He don't change his mind. When he puts a gift in somebody, that gift is for the people, not for that person necessarily, for the people, okay? And so Kenneth Copeland had the gift of healing. Healed my boy, okay? And then he went on to talk about, is there any other things in your life you can name and claim? Well, I started, give me this car. Doesn't have to be a Cadillac, but a Continental would be nice. <laughs> a new home? Man, I was just, man, I, Lust of the flesh. My flesh was just going off. Man, I ain't getting no Cadillac. Matter of fact, that week, if my memory serves me right, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm not thinking right, but I lost my bus pass. <laughs> so, so that didn't last too long, that name and the claim it there. Okay? But anything that would, a source other than God, where you are willing to obtain comfort, Knowing that it's outside of God. Now, sometimes we fool ourselves and we know that's outside of God, but we're looking for God. <laughs> Even though we're getting close, I'm looking for God to move. The Bible's clear. In my case, the Bible was clear. Okay. And what God was going to provide for me. Because I had been the kind of brother that my, my money was always wrong because I wouldn't handle it properly. And I was lying to my creditors. I signed the paper. I'll pay you the first of every month. Man, they ain't see me. I was lying to them. And that lie had to be corrected. So I had to pay them the first of the month. But I thought I can just name it and claim it. And lie would go, go away. <laughs> That's right, bud. Don't, don't work like that. <laughs> oh, thank Lord for Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> And then the church of Sardis, as we're starting talking about here, 
escaping from that religious bondage that causes spiritual death. Well, we understand what spiritual death is. Separation from the Lord. Okay? Separate that. I'm not talking about six feet under. That's physical death. When we're talking spiritual death is separation, feeling that emptiness. The emptiness got stronger instead of the light getting in the area of the emptiness and I feel closer because I was lying to myself willfully. Got a little darker in there. And then I'm sitting there saying, well, what's going on here? What happened, Lord? <laughs> I laugh at myself now, but I wasn't laughing then. I was crying you know, because I thought the Lord didn't love me. Okay, and I didn't understand how much he did love me because he had made his word clear to me, fully understood that if I say I'm going to pay you on the first, I have to do that. Okay, and he made it clear to me. And saints, this is something I want to go over real quick because we only have two of it. When the Lord makes something clear to you concerning his word, no matter how minute it is. That is God's favor in your life. Yes. That's God showing you that he loves you. That's God proving I want you. When the word of God, no matter what it is, paying tithes, if you're clear on that, when you get clear understanding concerning what's in here, saints, God's showing some love for you because everybody don't have that. Everybody don't have it. Okay. Finish up here. Church of Philadelphia. Okay, um, this church or this group or this stage of becoming an overcomer, a conqueror and victorious is the stage of you learning to love others with brotherly love. Here again, we need perseverance. My goodness. You know, we call them at Lincoln Avenue extra grace Christians. <laughs> we call them extra grace Christians. Okay that need to be loved in spite of what they do. But I have found for myself, they're not the extra grace Christian. I'm the extra grace Christian because God can love me no matter what I did. And God died for that person. That person's important to the Lord. And I need to treat that person as God treats that person. Amen. Show them forgiveness and love. So I was the extra grace uh, Christian. I'm the one that needed to ask God, help me. This person has stepped on my foot twice and never even looked or said, I'm sorry. I was offended. Well, get over it, Michael. <laughs> get over it. Matter of fact, go make a friend. When they offend you, <laughs> when they offend you, go make a friend. Yeah, there you go, brother. Befriend them. Befriend them. And don't fool yourself. Don't let the, that's an opportunity. An ordained, God-appointed opportunity. Because we're making disciples. That's, the, that's what the Lord told us to go do before he ascended. Go make disciples. Teach them everything I taught you. And if someone does something that is so offensive, I need to befriend them. So they can, I can rub up to them so they can see my life. So they can follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. So I'm the one, the Christian that needed extra grace. Amen. Not seeing them as the Lord sees them, as someone he loves and someone he desires to be conformed in their image. I just see them with big feet. <laughs> so I was the one who needed the grace. I was the one. Okay? And we have to passionately maintain our perseverance. Yes. Passion, you know what I mean by passionately? When I, before I came to Christ, I had a passion to play basketball, you know. Oh, I just love, I love, even today, uh, I like watching it, but the knee's not going for it, okay? <laughs> um, and I had a passion all my life until I got to be about 58 or 60 years old, okay? I would play every day at lunchtime at work. That's the love of God in my life. He gave me a job, and I, when I went in there and took the job, I said, well, I have one requirement, you know, can I go to the gym every day? He said, yeah. 
And the Lord, and I had that passion in me, and the Lord knew it. And he put me in that place where they allowed me to take an hour and a half, two hours a day for lunch to go play basketball. Imagine that. (laughs) But that's the Lord, okay? And I had that passion, okay? And I wouldn't let it slip. We have to passionately persevere. Or when we have a situation in our life that needs us to hold on to and be enthusiastic about it, we have to be passionate about it. And if you're not passionate, you ask the Lord who gives all things. When you realize that that passion is not there for that situation or for that person or for that obstacle, you have to ask the Lord who gives all things and make us all things. And we should not come to the point where because we don't have it, we reject it and walk away. No. That's your opportunity to draw closer to the Lord. He's created a situation where you become dependent on him. Look what he's doing for us. You get become so dependent on some things that you find yourself <laughs> praying about it at night, praying about it through the day, praying about it at, at lunchtime. Pray, Lord, help me, help me, help me. And he might not do it then. It might take years. But when you ask him to implement in your life one of the characteristics of his son, you better believe he won't do it. He won't do it. Perseverance, it must be passionate. Your love, your brotherly love, you must look at everybody like family, like you treated me when I came here today. People are your family. Now, we're in church, so it's safe to treat everybody like family. At least we would hope, okay? But when we're out there teaching the people to be disciples, okay, they have to rub close to our lives to see that passion, to persevere no matter what. Amen? Amen. Okay, this last one, allowed to see in church. Now, again, I did not go over all what the Lord City held against these people, okay? Um, And I'm kind of highlighting what was good. But this one also, he says, you know, um, he can give you a crown of victory. Okay. Um, He says also um, in the um, Philadelphia, I will write your name. I will write the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem descending from God out of heaven. And I'll write my own name on you. Here again. He says, he talks about in verse 9, watch how I deal with those of the synagogue of Satan who that are Jews but say they're not, for they are lying. People who say nowadays, I'm Christian, I'm walking with the Lord. Watch how he deals with them, okay? You know, not too long ago, every candidate, I think this is back in the 80s or 70s, every candidate that came up, they was born again Christian. Doesn't make a difference what office they were running for, state, local, federal, everybody knew the Lord. (laughs) But they did not. And he says he acknowledges him in verse 10, because you, we're still talking about Philadelphia, because you have passionately kept my message of perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour proving and coming to the testing of every person on earth. God has a way that when, excuse the expression, all hell and evil is breaking out, he has a way to keep you safe in the midst of it. Okay? He has a way. Just like he did with uh, Noah, okay? Everybody on earth died. Everybody went through that flood, but he had a way of keeping Noah and his family preserved. So this thing that's going to test the whole earth, or it is testing and will continue to test the whole earth until he comes back, okay? He can keep you safe from it. And the safety is the fact that you you may have physical harm, but in here, In here, it'll give you 
more hunger and desire to know him. What a blessing it is to be, have the fear of the Lord in your life. What a blessing it is to be afraid to do wrong or to be afraid to offend somebody, to be afraid to watch the wrong program. What a blessing it is. What a blessing. And that's how he keeps you safe from what tests the world today. What a blessing it is not to be over-concerned and love money more than you love people. What a blessing. Fear the Lord. The Church of Philadelphia... As he says in verse 13, chapter, what's this, chapter 3, 13? So the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is now saying to all the churches. We are to listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying to you in your life. Carefully. Through the fear of the Lord, knowing again that he loves you. Knowing that there could be times where the Lord gives the devil authority in your life to bring dark days to cause you to cry out to him and come closer to him. Knowing that those dark days that make you more dependent on the Lord, Lord, you got to help me here. Blessed are those. Amen. The last one, Latticedon. Okay. And I'm going through these quickly, as you can tell. (laughs) <laughs> this is, for me, you know, this really struck out to me, this church. Because this is a church where he states that, you know, you guys are rich and don't know you have nothing. You're poor and wretched. You have all that you need. Never had that uh, ask the Lord to help you with that phone bill or your light bill. Never had to worry about the, the, the mortgage. Never had to be concerned. You're rich. You got it all. You go to the, to the church that uh, has, you know, the parking lot is as big as a, 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 the arena's parking lot. You know, you got 20, 50,000 seats in that, that place. Never got to worry about anything. You know, your, your pastor comes through with a Rolls Royce. And he, he goes ministers in his plane. He flies around the world. And never a problem. And not knowing that you have a separation between you and God because you got your rights. We have to eliminate our, our human rights. We have to eliminate our self-righteousness, okay? We have to learn to surrender and submit. Now, let's quickly go over what I mean by submit and surrender. First of all, let's use the word surrender. Surrender is just not putting up your hand and say, I'm not going to resist you anymore. Surrender is changing sides. You, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, you become a traitor to the other side. You have switched sides. Okay. Submit is just not saying that I'm not going to do this or, or uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have your way. Submit is changing your mindset to think that way. The Bible says in each one of these churches, you have to repent. That just doesn't mean putting on changing your shoes or, or changing your mind or something. It means getting a whole new mind. Let me give you an example. I got shoes in my cupboard, okay? If I want to change my mind or change my shoes, I go and grab out my shoes. But the example of, of repent is going out and buying a new pair of shoes. And when I buy a new pair of shoes, I got to get the socks. I got to get a whole outfit associated with it. That's what the, <laughs> that's, that's how we roll. But that's what the Lord is indicating when he says repent in the book of Revelations. Get a whole new set. Don't throw them other ones out. You've used them and they've been no good to me. Go purchase a new one. And just don't come back with any shoes. You need the whole outfit. You need to think about your brother differently. You need to think about your relationship. Go get a whole new set. Be renewed. Have your mind renewed. And when you repent in that manner, saints, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not all on you. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. Now, I have the power to go put on new shoes. I have the power to change my mind. But the biblical repentance, we need the Holy Spirit to help us with that. 
We need God's spirit to help us because he's got to point out what was wrong. And he's got to point out the other things that you could do wrong. Okay, and then give you the strength to go through the consequences for your wrong or not correction for your wrong. That's why I talked about in the one church that you in this church of Philadelphia, you you will hold the keys of David. The key of David was the fact that he had introduction or eyesight on grace in his life. He had grace given to him. Prior to the grace being available to everybody, he had grace. He had the kind of grace when he decided to do wrong and not go out there and fight in the springtime like everybody else, all the other kings do, okay? And he's up on the roof looking at Bathsheba bathing, okay? And then he forces her in a sense because of his authority. He had her come over, okay? And they created a child together. He decided, well, I'm going to get rid of this, Okay? And his tricks to Uriah didn't work. So he said, well, I got to kill a man. And he had him killed. And the Lord brought the prophet to him. And we know the story, you know, you the man. Okay, you the man as this is. And the prophet told him. And back in that day, when you did that kind of thing, you deserved to die by the law. But the prophet said, you're not going to, um, you're not going to die. God's grace was extended to him. But with that grace extended, we have to understand there is correction. And we saw it years later in his son Absalom, correction. And he initially had a problem with that until his boy came up to him, came up and said, you know, we won the victory. Your son is done. Now you have to go out here and congratulate your troops or so help me. I'm going to leave you. Correction. It was painful, but it was the grace of God. So it is in our lives to embrace God's correction. It may be painful, but boy, I tell you, from that point on, you see a situation where uh, David, when he was leaving, that correction called him. One of um, uh, Saul's relatives came out and started cursing him. And uh, one of uh, David's boy said, let me go handle this. Let me go cut this dude up. Let me go kill him. And he said, no. How do you know the Lord didn't send him out here to say these things to me? That's the grace of God being able to see the hand of God moving. And not only was he able to see it, but he was accepting it and, and protecting the predator, the bad guy, because he might have fought. Oh, he thought it could be God. No, I'm sorry. He knew the situations in his life were governed by God. He knew that. Saints, we can be no different. And I went quickly over this. And this Philadelphia guy, we have to learn to get rid of our rights, our human rights. And when you eliminate your human rights and you eliminate your self-righteousness, there's a lot of humility and embarrassment, humiliation. That's the terminology I want to use. There's a lot of humiliation. And I don't know about you, but in the past, my experience with humiliation has charged me to reject. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> but being humiliated charged me to stand up and defend myself instead of submitting and knowing it is God working in my life. Amen. Amen? All right, saints, I went over that quickly, and it's just a guiding post for you, okay? I would that you guys would go study and search the scriptures over the things we discussed with the different churches. I did not go over this deeply over the specifics of what he said about these churches, but if you look at what these names mean and that they represent the stages of becoming an overcomer, the growth, the maturity, they represent stages, and this is... Moving on to maturity here. This is not us dealing with um, uh, asking for forgiveness for bad works, okay, or, or the handling the baptism uh, again, okay, or coming to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. No, these are people in these churches who have been doing things for the Lord positive, been doing the ministry positive, and the Lord desires 
that they understand that their relationship with him is more important than what they do. You know, we're we aware of, uh, what is it, uh, Matthew 6, 21 and 22, where the Lord says, on that day, some will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not, did I not cast out devils in your name? Did I not heal the sick? Did we not raise the dead? And the Lord will never deny it because the gifts are given without repentance. He doesn't change his mind and the gifts are for others. What he says is, I don't know you. And to know him, you have to be an overcomer like him. And to become an overcomer like him, you have to have the flesh circumcised. You have to allow the Lord to bring out the sweet odor and juice of Jesus living inside you. He can do it. You know, we've all grown up in the church of God, we've all been introduced to the fact that when we get sick, we go to the altar or ask one of the saints to pray for us. And that comes from the, from the uh, uh, book that says, you know, any sick among you, call upon the elders. That is a <clears throat> um, what ordinance in the church of God. We believe that. But do you believe that if you ask God to create in you one of the characteristics of Christ, that he would do it for you? Just like if you ask him to get rid of that headache. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you enough that when it's all said and done, he would have worked in you both the power and the desire to do the things that please him in spite of what you've done or mistaken you've done, you did. Believe it. That's why he died for you. And he's today working in you, first giving you the desire and the power by the Holy Spirit to do the things that please him. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity. And Lord, I pray that these words that you have spoken will pierce our hearts and would cause us to hunger and chase after your word, which will cause us to chase after you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, saints. Amen.